0: Welcome to Ladies Who London Podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey and we're qualified London Blue Badge Tourist Guides. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. We can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London Podcast and on our website, GuideEmily.com and alexlacey.com, as well as Ladies Who London Podcast, the dedicated website for information about us and the podcast and what we're up to. Well, we've certainly had our coffee today. Best, yeah. Had my Weetabix. I had <laughs> our Weetabix. Well, Alex, I have to say, for half past nine in the evening, I think that was pretty good for us. That was not bad. That was not bad at all. Bad. Um, and I'm sorry if you can hear loads of background noise. It's so warm tonight. I've got the, the doors to my conservatory open, so... There are, there are birds and aeroplanes and things happening outside, so apologies. Background noise.
1: Well, Bye. it's lovely to hear that kind of noise. It's nice to be able to have the windows open because it is absolutely... Uh, well, I mean, I'm
0: sunburnt right baking. now. I have to. Yeah, I have, yeah it is baking. But for once, you're not in the noisy flat with the squeaky chair. I'm not. I'm actually in a hotel.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Where are you? Um,
0: I'm, so I'm in the Cotswolds in a
1: hotel called the Ligan Arms. And I'm on a on a garden tour, yeah. So I'm a, I'm away from the bubba, which is how's that ridiculously emotional. It's well, I'm getting kind of updates, and Nick has been showing me kind of like a because we get a little piece of paper that tells us what she ate and how she's been doing at nursery and stuff. So he's been oh. sending me that and. We had a FaceTime yesterday and she just couldn't, you know, care less or even look at me. And I was like, give me a kiss, give me a kiss. You know, doing all those annoying things that you don't want someone to do on the phone. Um But yeah, I'm getting through. Good.
0: And how long you wait for? Sausages in the morning help. Um nice. How long am I away for? Until Saturday. Oh, so that's a, that's a decent amount of time. Yeah. 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 But how are you? I'm well. I'm well. I am well i am snowed under with work at the moment um just crazy busy um i don't think i've really mentioned this on the podcast because i haven't the website's still not up because it's taking a while to do but um i set my own business up this year and it is going like the clappers and it's bananas and- isn't it it's really like yeah. just exploded yeah it really has and in a really crazy way in that um I kind of I didn't expect it to take off quite the way it has done, but um, yeah, I, I now run my own company doing food tours, doing eco-friendly tours and events, and uh, it's just, I am snowed under with work, which is brilliant, and I'm very fortunate, and I'm very, very thrilled. Um, so if anyone out there is looking for uh, corporate events, team building, tours anything like that check me out uh, the website's still not done it's uh, i kept saying i'm gonna do it and then things got too busy so now i'm having a professional who knows what they're doing do it for me but it is a la carte tours and events um, so if you want to check that out Um so i am just snowed under because i'm still guiding and i'm doing this as well and it's all a bit bonkers but yeah. And Snow under, even when your
1: website isn't fully operational. I mean, that's, you know, yeah. big old pat on the back, love. Well done. <laughs> thanks.
0: It's, you know, it's years <laughs> of working in the industry and proving yeah. your mettle, I think, a little bit. But, um, yeah, yeah, no,
1: you are an extremely hard worker and anybody that knows you
0: knows that. So,
1: oh, thanks, yeah, babes.
0: well deserved. Thank you. But yeah, it's, it's. I mean, this. I don't know, we was, I know they say this every week, but it is so busy and I've never known a season like it. Mm. And things are coming in thick and fast. Every moment, you know, every day there's a new inquiry and or several, and it's 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 crazy. So, um, yes. you know, we mustn't moan because one extreme to the other. But we are both on our knees at the moment, aren't we? <laughs> we are praying for forgiveness every day. <laughs> praying. Um, for no, it's fabulous. It's good to no, be working.
1: Good to be out there. Amazing. Um,
0: so last week, what on earth did we talk about? We talked about James Barry, the magnificent James Barry. Uh, slash Margaret Ann Bulkley, um, and the story of the, the, the sort of the first female doctor, even though yeah. she was passing as a man to get the uh, the, the accreditation to get the the um yeah uh, the respect really the, yeah the respect essentially, and we don't know whether um, James was. Uh, you know sort of a, a trans man or a woman who decided that if she wanted to get what she wanted to do that she had to you know dress and and, and present as a man we, we don't know it's a, it's a story that's filled with questions and uh and mysteries which is very very interesting there we go that was last mm. week that was last week and do you remember what you chose for your podcast pedestal I did. I do, although um, I forgot to put it on my podcast, uh, on my Instagram, just because I haven't, I've barely been on Instagram uh, this month, but um, I, I voted for James caring for Lord Somerset towards the end of Lord Somerset's life. Although it wasn't really JB, it was JM that you put on the, on the on Yes, the I hold. made a
1: little mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh,
0: maybe you're not going to mention it. That would be good. But <laughs> you
1: have. So, <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if you know, but I, uh, I'm i responsible for the old polls on Instagram. And yeah. um, for some reason, because it's James Barry, I was thinking of JM Barry, the creator yeah, of plans, I so I said JM... Um, so sorry about that, if there was any confusion out there. I mean, people sorry. still voted. <laughs> people still did vote, so it was all good.
0: And what was your uh, yeah. your option? So mine was um, the Earl... Who was it? The Earl of Buckley? Um, yeah, Buchan, actually, I think, yeah. Buchan. Oh, if I, spelled, I spelled that wrong on the poll as well. Bloody hell. It's Be as fair, as I, I didn't, I didn't listen. for that one. That's fine. It's okay.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, so just kind of having his back really and any time kind of he came towards a bit of a wall in terms of somebody about to kind of suspect who he or she was he um he very much had their back so I went for that
0: yeah and that was a great choice and the listeners thought so as well because uh it went about 55 percent to you and 45 to me 55 45 whoa
1: yeah yeah wow Okay, well, it's incredibly well close done. at the moment. I think that means I'm one ahead of you I again. I think it
0: does. I think you're one ahead. Mm.
1: Fabulous. Thank you very much, Lovely. ladies and gentlemen out there. So where are we going this week? So this week, um, where did the wheel land? It landed... Oh, it landed in Crystal Palace. Oh, it did, didn't it? Yes. I say that as if I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I am, of course, talking about the Crystal Palace. And I'm, I'm going to talk about kind of the building the area that we know of today as crystal palace and a little bit about the great exhibition as well
0: yeah and you uh, it? it makes me think of the one that we did a few weeks ago which was the the royal aquarium and that same sort of thing of it being this massive edifice with loads of stuff in there except this was a lot more successful from what i uh from the little i know about it
1: so i am going to talk about the crystal palace Um, and with this we need to go back in time a little bit and we need to talk about the great exhibition which i think we've mentioned here and there
0: yeah we have we i think we also keep saying oh we must do an, an episode on the great exhibition but we we never have so yeah perfect oh, okay so just to
1: say a little bit about it so we're in 1851 and it's decided there needs to be a form of exhibition in london which showcases things that have been made by people with their own hands around the world and of course this is the 19th century and not everybody can go to these you know places around the globe and experience what people are doing And this is the time when we have Queen Victoria and her husband, Prince Albert, on the throne. And Prince Albert in particular was a huge lover of educating people. Educating people of, um, you know, all sorts of different statuses. If you didn't have that much money, it's important for you to know what is going on around the world. So um, they knew they wanted an exhibition. They knew it was going to be from May until October in 1851. So it wasn't a permanent exhibition. And in terms of a building, they wasn't too sure what it should be housed in. And they kind of put it out. They invited people to, um, you know, place in a design. And the only thing that they kind of said to architects and designers is it needed to be temporary. So it needed to be something that could easily be moved. It needed to be simple, so not too lavish. Mm -hmm. And as cheap as possible and um, economical... put their submissions forward without even knowing at this point where this great exhibition was going to be because there were so many conversations about where in London it was either going to be over at Wormwood Scrubs at some point Um, it was going to be at Battersea Park the Isle of Dogs which would have been really weird to think today because obviously that area you know had nothing really there it was kind of a bit of a a, a dumping ground or just kind of uh, this open empty site. Victoria Park, which I think would have been pretty cool, actually. Victoria Park was the first public park to be open uh, for people. Um, Or Regent's Park. But we know, of course, that in the end, they went for Hyde Park. And one man of many uh, came forward with a design. And this was a, a gardener, and he was called Joseph Paxton. And this is a name that comes up quite a lot, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm trying to think why. What do we know? So,
1: for? well, he was very well known as a gardener, and he was really well known to put uh, glass buildings together. So, for instance, he created this glass house on the Chatsworth estate. He has connections to Kew Gardens
0: as well. Did we talk and- about him on the one where we talked about the um, Chelsea Physic Garden? Did he pop up on that his one, name maybe?
1: definitely came up because he was he was somebody that traveled a lot you know he was somebody that certainly would have been interested in plants that would have been used for medicinal purposes he would have been well connected with people that were going on expeditions and bringing different oh. you know plant life and samples back so I wouldn't be surprised if we if we did
0: okay, interesting,
1: yeah, so he put his design forward and his design was made out of glass so it was this huge greenhouse it almost looked like a bird cage and it was made with cheap but very strong glass and it had to be big enough to hold about 14,000 exhibits from around the globe and I can't even I can't even begin to imagine the person or the people behind sorting out all of these different deliveries that are coming from Canada, India, and because you had kind of like fire engines, you had pottery, you had fabrics. Um, there was a fifty-kilogram lump of gold, folding pianos, rare diamonds on display.
0: Everything wasn't there. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah, and and so yeah, there's a lot of stuff that needs quite a lot of specialist attention. So you can't just sort of jump it in there and hope for the best it's got to have the right conditions and all of that really
1: exactly and you've got thousands of people coming to see it from not just London and England but different people around Europe as well that want to make the journey and come over especially because they know it's only going to be there from May to October yeah. and it's it, it, they put so much money I'm sure in the advertisement and what the advertisement was of the day it was obviously very different to now but so many people would have spoke about it and wanted to see it And you had uh, a magazine company, which I'm sure we've mentioned before, called Punch. And they are the ones responsible for calling it this Palace of Crystal, the Crystal Palace as we know today. Oh, so that wasn't the name
0: it was given initially then?
1: No, so this was given by Punch, so a palace of crystal, which then got turned round in the papers to a crystal palace. So I think if you were walking up to it, you'd say, this is the great exhibition, you know, the great exhibition hall. Oh, yeah, I suppose so. And you had trees in there and of course because you've got glass there is no interior lighting so they're not going to have late night exhibitions as soon as the sun starts to go down and of course it's may until october so you've got the sun in the sky until at least about maybe 6 30 in october and after that of course people start to leave um now after the exhibition so we're going to come forward a bit we're not actually going to talk about too much about what happens inside because i want to talk about the building and where it moved to um, they thought, right, okay, well, we want to put it somewhere else. It's a fabulous building. Joseph Paxton has created something that a lot of people marvelled over. And it wasn't just all the items on display. The building brought people over and was like, wow. Yeah. Walking up to the park and just seeing, especially if it was a sunny day, all of the light hitting those panes of glass. It would have been like, oh, my
0: God. Yeah, it probably would One have of kind of of largest... twinkled. It would have looked like crystal, wouldn't it? It would have, yeah, it would have almost it like... Would. yeah. And especially if
1: you were on the other side of the glass where they were displaying all the gold and the diamonds and the gems. Because you think about the light hitting that, you go, oh, my God, I need to get into that little bit there.
0: That's exactly it.
1: Yeah. Now, uh, there is an area in London today which is called Crystal Palace, uh, which is in South London. And originally, before the building moved to this area, the area... Or the the kind of the land that it's on was known as Penge Common, and was within Penge Place.
0: And yeah. Penge still exists today, doesn't it? It does. I like to call it ponge to sound a bit uh, a bit fancy.
1: ponge Oh, that reminds me of I used to live in um, Turnpike Lane, and oh. me and my friends used to call it Turnipacalena. Turnipacalena. I love it. Make it sound a lot more fancy. So what did you
0: call it? Penge. Uh, Penge. Oh sorry, Penge.
1: Penge, darling. Pange. Well, Pange got a little bit smaller because the area that was known as Penge Common suddenly became known as the Crystal Palace. So we have this reconstruction which takes place in Pange next to a hill called <laughs> Sydenham Hill. <laughs> and it got changed slightly. It got modified. So... The main galleries and the main section in the middle, this was redesigned. It was covered with actually a new kind of roof. It was a vaulted kind of barrel roof. So they changed the glass design a little bit. So you'd look up and you'd see this kind of this barrel shape as opposed to it being quite flat or in parts a bit like a a diamond or a slanted roof. Um, It was also uh, made higher. You had um, a new facade, you had new terraces, stairways going up and, and actually the stone stairways which were produced for the Crystal Palace, for it to move in Penj or Penge, um they still are there today. So you can oh, actually really? still walk up the stairs and imagine that you are entering the the Crystal Palace.
0: And where, where are get- they? What, anyway. uh,
1: well, the stairs? Yeah. Oh, they're there. So if you go to the area known as Crystal Palace and you go out to Crystal Palace uh, station, yeah. um, you literally walk over, you will see this huge um, uh, like, television tower. Mm-hmm. If you walk towards the television tower, there, it's right there and you can see the indentation. I mean, I don't want to fast forward too much because people might not know what happened.
0: Oh, I see. Um, <laughs> is, that, <laughs> now, is that the, the television tower that I always tell people is, uh, is is the Eiffel Tower that you can see from top of the building? Yes, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. Yes, that's the it's one. Fooled, that's fooled the one. So, when you think uh, of Crystal Palace. What's that, sorry? It's fooled many an unsuspecting person when I say, oh, that's the, you know, can see the Arthur Tower from the top of and Bulls.
1: <laughs> I'm sure a few people would believe. Um, yes, so it's, yeah, if, if you went into a shop in the area and you said, I want a postcard of Crystal Palace, you'd probably get a postcard that had uh, a big green park with that television tower. Yes. But yeah. before that, You you know before the disaster that I'm going to tell you happened, you would have certainly have got a postcard of this wonderful glass building. Yeah. So we know it was exaggerated. We know it became the well one of the largest buildings in the world at the time, and we are talking, of course, in the 1850s, and we're about 1854 now in terms of them moving it, redesigning it, making it bigger, making it taller than Nelson's Column in Trafalgar Square. Oh
0: which is pretty tall. Which is pretty tall? How tall is it? Oh, do you know what? I have no idea. I've asked you you this before and we've gone... um... And I am at this point going to give a shout out to Stacey, who's one of our regular listeners, and a friend of mine who we have been to the uh, pub quiz before when they have said, how tall is Nelson's Column? And both me and our other friend, Dave, who's also a guide, both went, I don't know, it's about that tall. And she (laughs) has never let us forget that we do not, as guides, know the the height of Nelson's Column. I don't care what height it is, but anyway. Go on, how tall is There's it? There's another
1: blue badge guide in your garden. There I is. mean, out of three of us. Somebody
0: should know. Jackie? Yes? How tall is Nelson's Column? I don't know, about 50 metres. She said, oh, I don't know, about 50 metres. There we go. Oh, <laughs> No one knows. <laughs> we are all, we're all
1: terrible, we're all terrible. No one knows, no one cares. Anyway, so pretty blooming tall, pretty blooming tall. Um like, now, anyway, the top it's of on the... Nelson's
0: Column? That we can do, we can do that one. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. So, it was opened on the 10th of June... 1854 for the second time by Queen Victoria so she was certainly excited or you know I don't know if she was made to go and open it but oh, she probably. would have opened the original okay. one at Hyde Park yeah probably, gone all the way up to the South London to Penjah <laughs> And actually, it was, must have been very well known and very popular in terms of this grand opening because there were about 40,000 people there to watch Queen wow. Victoria open it. Yeah, And actually, this is when two rail stations open up for the new Crystal Palace, which was an exhibition centre still mm. when it moved. So they, the main thing was that they wanted the interior to be used. They wanted to have things on display that people could go and still see. So they had two stations. One was called Crystal Palace High Level and one was Crystal Palace Low
0: Level. I could almost see that Um, coming.
1: Yeah. (laughs) The Low Level actually still exists today. All right. if you come out the station, you know, you can't miss that big television tower. And then, as I say, you'd see eventually these steps and the indentation of where the palace used to be. Um, So the exhibitions inside... Oh my God, they had so many things and I had no idea. So um, they had lots of experts that got involved and a couple of people that put on uh, all of these different kind of history talks and showing lots of fine art was Matthew Digby Wyatt and Owen Jones. And Wyatt in particular is quite well known for his sculptures, one of which is actually in the v of this fantastic Dog, which I think was on display dog? at the second Crystal Palace. Yeah, it's a dog and um oh, I can't remember its name. I think it begins with a B. It's of a, it's a Newfoundland dog, and he created it for someone someone who actually died before it was completed. Oh. And the dog is um looking up with these beautiful gems in its eyes and it's crushing this snake underneath him. It's oh. Bashan, I think it's actually called,
0: I, I think I think, I, think I know Basham. Did you say that, Jackie?
1: She said Basham. Basham. Yeah. Yeah, I think it must be Basher. Basham. So Basher, um there we go. Basher. So you, so you going had,
0: to the had room lots
1: eventually of... you'll get the answer at some point. Eventually you'll get it. <laughs> so um so you had lots of art on display, lots of sculptures. There was a medieval court that was put on with lots of things um, that Augustus Pugin had created and designed. Ah. And we know him for the exterior of the Houses of Parliament. His Indeed. uh his work can't take any very, credit very for what's decorative. going on inside but yeah no and he illustrated lots of different things to show people designs that you'd find in egypt he showed designs um, which were connected to uh, the renaissance uh, grecian art so it was certainly a place where you could be educated
0: yeah
1: there was also performances and there was a concert space inside which had four thousand seats <gasps> wow. and yeah and we spoke about Handel performing quite recently at the well not actually he didn't perform recently recently. (laughs) Uh, no he didn't perform (laughs) recently but at the Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens uh, we know that he wrote music for it and there would have been lots of music um, that was here as well lots of Handel's music
0: he gets around a bit doesn't he he
1: certainly does. He certainly does. Love now it. this name came up, and I suddenly thought, "Oh my god, please let it be the tightrope walker <gasps> from the aquarium who also did the fish expressions, oh impressions, expressions." <laughs> well, probably both. Do you remember his name?
0: Oh, um, there's probably people shouting it out, isn't there? No, I don't remember his name. Oh, so I, I've got a name here,
1: and I was just—Charles Blondin
0: like that might be the same is it the same
1: what it was so there was a circus inside and there were these uh these acts, these daring acts where you had tightrope walkers and as soon as I read his name I was like I'm pretty sure that's the guy that jumps into the water and you know fish
0: impressions
1: (laughs) if it goes really well starts to do his favorite impression of a salmon
0: Yeah. Oh my God. If you don't know know what what we're talking about, I'm so loving these random people coming round and round again because we do seem to talk a lot about the Victorians, and I don't know if it's just that it's more recent, so there's more stuff left and there's more stuff that's like written down. I don't know, but these and the Victorians were absolutely—they were mad as a box of frogs. They really were. I love it. They were. I'd like trying to kind of fit
1: lots of different things in that they think well you know there's obviously people with different personalities and different tastes so we've got to cater to all sorts and we'll try this and see you know see what what's popular yeah so um the the fish was it The fish was it, absolutely. So we had um, a Shakespearean festival there. There was uh, a big exhibition showcasing work from the designer Christopher Dresser, who was really well known for producing things that could easily be produced in factories. So very different to the likes of uh, William Morris, who would produce things... By hand, and said the only things that are beautiful are things that cannot be reproduced by a machine. And Christopher Dresser was the complete opposite, where he showed that you can make things beautiful, but it can be mass-produced by a machine.
0: It sort of goes so into the whole a... industrial revolution narrative, doesn't it, of the Victorian? Yeah.
1: So he creates like these really beautiful teapots that are, you know, a, a kind of metal with little holes in, and they're very straight and kind of calm. Uh, simplistic lines that a machine can put together, but also at the same time really beautiful. Oh, wow. um, you had fruit exhibitions. What? There were publications that were printed, telling people about different things that were happening. By uh, oh, who was it? Charles Dickens' son. Is it Charles Dickens' son? I'm pretty sure he was called Charles Dickens Jr. I mean, that would make sense, right? That would
0: make sense. So he Dickinson. was involved.
1: Yeah, Charles Dickinson. Um, So he was involved in writing the little pamphlets up and telling people what was going on. You had pantomimes. There was exhibitions to do with cats. And actually this particular cat exhibition that went on was put on by a man that you might have heard of, Harrison Weir.
0: I don't think I have... But hang on, can I just say, what what's a cat exhibition? So it's kind of like a, basically it's like
1: crafts but for cats. Oh. So it's the 19th century version of cats walking up and down a catwalk and you kind of, you know, looking at the fur, looking at the breed, looking at the I owner see. and seeing, seeing how fantastic they are. And they, they obviously got somebody who was very linked with cats in the 19th century and this is Harrison Weir. And if you look at old Christmas cracker designs... The first ever Christmas cracker designs, which were created by a man called Tom Smith, they have these fabulous prints and there are these posters of crackers um, being advertised with cats. And their main kind of poster illustrator was Harrison Weir, who would get cats who were smoking like cigars pulling crackers. Oh my God, that's brilliant. I kind of love it. Have you not seen these? They no, are I mental. And he was like, he was just obsessed with cats. This painter, I'm and kidding. he was asked by Tom Smith to produce all of these random posters and campaigns for Christmas crackers. That's hilarious. Um, hilarious. Pigeon shows.
0: I mean, please. God don't bless I mean, this the is a, This is this is a a beauty pageant of pigeons because I'm not sure I can handle. Can that. you
1: imagine? Can you imagine? One of them's got lippy on. One of them's lost a yeah. foot. God. So the um, show? Is it
0: like the cat, the cat pageant?
1: I guess so. I mean, this is the time in the 19th century where pigeons were probably looked at quite differently to how they're looked at now. I don't think they were looked at
0: as pests so much. And perhaps, I don't know, did people keep pigeons in the 19th century with their pets? I would have thought so. I mean, you've always had pigeon fanciers, haven't you, and people who race them and stuff like that. But
1: Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was more kind of a, a sports, a sport kind of thing, a yeah. thing. Um, There was honey shows, flower shows, motor shows, um, African exhibitions, um, just so much, so much information, but it was on every day of the week, and of course people would work, so not many people came, and it didn't make much money. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, on the weekend, it was fantastic because obviously people had the day off and they would go in there and a little bit like the original Crystal Palace, there were places where you can eat and drink and, you know, it would make a bit of money like that. So
0: this one was supposed to be a permanent version, was it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was going to be there for as long as possible. It was a little bit like the modern day Millennium Dome, I would say, Um, where they had so many high hopes for this permanent exhibition space that just was a massive flop, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it kind of was heartbreakingly so but yeah heartbreakingly so i mean now obviously
1: it turns turns in quite a lot of money because it's the o2 but well, yeah yeah oh alex yeah oh <laughs> sorry i suddenly freaked out then my my laptop just went black i suddenly thought oh. i'd lost you it. no it's i'm right. here hello
0: hello
1: Can't get rid of me Now, during the First World War, so in the early 1900s, the area in the building was actually used for naval training. And the Crystal Palace momentarily got a new name, which was HMS Victory V1. Well, it's it's quite a mouthful. Quite a mouthful. Informally known as HMS Crystal Palace, which I think is a lot better.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's where... About 125,000 men, or men, or so from the Royal Navy division and various volunteer services for the Royal Navy. It's where they trained for war. Um, so I don't know if that point that they would have kind of cordoned off the area, or you could still walk up
0: and kind of view what was going on. Mm, probably probably not. not. I would imagine that you'd, you'd yeah, it would be a a spot for, for for not not being able to wander up anymore. Really, I don't know. No, and I, I don't know if it was there because there was already a link to war because the Imperial
1: War Museum has moved a couple of times and today it's, um you had, well, you told us fantastically all about the uh, the Bedlam Hospital which mm. is now the Imperial War Museum and before that it was over at South Kensington and before that it was actually within this section so it was within or like kind of in and also partly out of the crystal palace so it's kind of where the idea of this war museum started where lots of war oh, items see. were on display oh, and then eventually it moved of course yeah um now because it wasn't making much money there were there was well a lot of people are quite keen to get rid of it and they needed um well they needed somebody's help to try and to try and save the palace so you had the earl of plymouth who came forward and this is in 1911 at this point and he said well well, i will buy crystal palace so it'll be mine i'm gonna buy it so he did so for 230,000 pounds which the equivalent is about 24 million pounds today So the Earl of Plymouth, you know, if you were rubbing shoulders with him in the early 1900s, then he could certainly buy you a diamond or two. Yeah, serious bank. But he said, I will do that and I will save it and I will buy it. But under the, um, the agreement that I will receive this money back. And he basically said to the Lord Mayor at the time, you know, if I buy it, what I want you to do is at some point, you need to raise some money from local authorities. Get that money back to me. And mm. uh, the mayor struggled. <laughs> he yeah. was like, I will try my absolute best. Um, they managed to get 90,000 by 1913, which is pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, but they still required thousands and thousands of money. Eventually, thousands some thousands was- of money. That, am I, <laughs> thousands and I really thousands of that. money. Sorry, can we just say it's three minutes past ten PM yes. now? Um, <laughs> thousands and <of> thousands <laughs> of money. Oh my god! Oh, that reminds so me. Adorable. What did I say the other day instead of France? I don't know what did you I say? said. Um, I said the French, but in contents of frack. Oh, I can't. I can't even talk anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seriously so burnt on the chest. I think I've got got um sunstroke. Anyway, so um uh, eventually local councils in the area were able to give him back quite quite a lot but certainly not anything near 230,000. But it didn't matter anyway because on the 30th of November in 1936 there was a man at 7 p.m. called Sir Henry Buckland and he was walking his dog next to the palace with his daughter Guess what her name was? Um,
0: Sir Henry Buckland. How... What, uh, what do I have to go on there? Was her name Crystal? Yes. No.
1: no. Yes, so they lived in the area, and he had named his daughter Crystal after the
0: palace. Okay. Are you serious? That's I am weird. serious.
1: I am serious. So he's walking with his daughter. It's about 7pm, 1936, 30th of November. So it's pretty chilly. It's pretty windy. And they look up and they suddenly see this red glow coming from within. And, I mean, he must have been a pretty kind of a... Pretty really brave guy because he actually goes inside. So he finds a door that's open. He goes inside and he finds two of the engineers um, who are inside, and they are trying to get rid of this small fire, which is in uh, an office at this point, which they think started from an explosion in uh, the woman's cloakroom, which was just by the office. So it went off in the cloakroom, they think, and then this fire is just going through the office. And because they were trying to put it out themselves for about an hour and didn't ring the fire brigade until oh. 8 o'clock because they thought this is just a small fire as you can imagine with all of that glass plus all the, the flooring was wood
0: yes. it just
1: yes. and you can imagine the sounds just something, you know, if you're in a bar and you hear something smash, every bit of your body for about half a Ooh. second goes, oh, yeah. you know, so you think yeah. about the people that lived in that area and the sound and the constant explosions of glass. And they say about 89 fire engines turned up. You had about. 400 or whatever firemen who were trying to extinguish the fire and it was just impossible and i think when they turned up they probably thought there is no way there is absolutely no way that we're going to solve this yeah and many people say that the glow and the fire was so big that it could have been seen across eight counties really really can you believe that? I mean, of course, this is the 19th century, so you don't have many tall buildings in the way or whatever. But still, my god, Blimey. so heard about um, some kind of
0: big, you know, big fires before, like the Silvertown explosion and things like that. But you know, and yeah. again, you can see them from a long distance. That was a really big one as well, wasn't it? that? Could be seen for was it, I think as far as like Reading or somewhere or even further. But yeah, I mean, that's that sounds like it's even huger. Yeah, I think so definitely Um, and you had so many
1: different things which were massively flammable inside, all sorts of different things which were on display and when uh, Churchill found out about it, he wanted to go up to it a little bit like, I don't know if you remember there was a fire at the first Bermondsey factory and Edward Mm. VII was like take me in a carriage, (laughs) I want to see Um, and apparently Churchill said this is the end of an age when he saw it so I think that's quite quite telling about how important the Crystal Palace must have been to people. And, yeah. you know, it was such a recent thing. Especially to Crystal in, and my it, dad. Especially to Crystal. Can you imagine it blowing up? God, I hope that she enjoyed, you know, had a, a very good life and it wasn't an omen or anything. I know. Um, <laughs> oh, there's a um, fault. There's a fault. There's a fault. Um, but, yes, yeah, so in terms of what you would see now, are the steps... You would see the indentation, which is fantastic because you can really get an understanding of the space and how many acres this building would have taken up. There are also two sphinxes, which are still there kind of on either side of the steps, which is quite, quite lovely to see. Um... And you've also, of course, got not too far away the dinosaurs, which I'll just briefly touch upon. The
0: dinos.
1: The dinosaurs. So the Crystal Palace is an area. is really, really interesting. You get the most amazing views. There are lots of little parks with different things going on. There's actually an amphitheatre where lots of performances through the years have taken place by the likes of Elton John, Eric Clapton, the Beach Boys, etc., Um, And then you've got this wonderful park with a little bit of water, this kind of pathway that kind of serpentines through. And there you have lots of dinosaur sculptures, which have been there since 1854. So placed there the same year that the Crystal Palace was open. Mm. So what an area to suddenly come to. And this is a time when we didn't really know about dinosaurs. We didn't really know. They were a bit weird, aren't they? Yeah, you see them and you go, I'm sorry, but that's just incorrect. But they're so important because they're the first kind of sculptures, they say, in this country at least, that uh, were produced of dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. And, of course, what they're going on mostly are things like lizards and reptiles, crocodiles that just kind of like look enlarged and placed on two back legs so um, it's a wonderful thing. And you'll see lots of, uh, lots of other animals which are now extinct. So not only dinosaurs, but various other things as well, such as old sloths and, and various things. <laughs> and um, uh, I mean, there's, of course, still lots of things that we don't know today. So when you see the dinosaurs, they are painted in certain colours that we presume dinosaurs were. Yeah, I don't think we really know exactly what colour dinosaurs were. I mean, they could have been bright yellow or bright pink, for all we know. Mm. Um, but it's it's great, and they did quite recently, and I think they do this every year. But it was the first time I'd witnessed it. They do these illuminations through the so winter. So good. Yeah. Have you seen them?
0: Yeah, I saw them last year. I took my parents because they came up to me for Christmas, and there was one whole bit of it actually that was that showed the 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 fire at Crystal Palace. It was really effective yes so yeah that's right because they created
1: the shape of the crystal palace and put a load of canvas over it as if it was like um like a projector yeah and then projected images yeah of the crystal palace and you could see people walking through and then yeah you're right it was a little bit like uh the when they did the 350 years since the great fire of london and put projections of the fire of the on the dome of saint paul's cathedral it was a little bit like that wasn't it that was great Yeah. yeah yeah But you know, if you've never been to Crystal Palace, get yourself up there because it's a, it's a fascinating place. And yeah, as Alex said, the dinosaurs are a little bit like, what the hell is going on? But I remember they if, are if you so... remember
0: um, all the way back when we had um, Aaron Hunter on, who is our sort of oh, yeah. dino expert. Hmm. He is he's quite involved in actually. I think in in saving them, he's got something to do. He does walks around there, and he he says yes, they are hilariously un uh, well un. Um, inaccurate because he said they, they were they were an old version of what we thought it was um but they really i mean we went there the other day and we, they were very funny very sweet but yeah but he's involved in uh, in i think saving them
1: yes and i remember at lockdown during lockdown he there were videos that would come up on social media and he would be there at the at the dinosaur park oh, yeah. <laughs> so i can't i can't not think of him actually when i i, I think about the dinosaurs
0: <laughs> love it but there we go so that's a bit of information today about the crystal palace amazing thank you so much em that's brilliant and i you have you. to say i haven't actually been to see the stairs and the bit where um uh, you know the the sphinx is i'd really quite like to go and see that because I, I haven't really yeah. ever twigged on where that is but uh yeah yeah, yeah. fun for fun what do you call a cool oh jackie's asking a joke what do you call a dinosaur with no eyes um don't you think you saw us hey i think it's that is, is, do you think you saw us yeah oh wow i never get
1: jokes i mean i didn't fully get that one but
0: <laughs> what do you want, sorry what do you call a paleontologist who can't get up in the morning bony Lazy Bones. There we go. Oh, I
1: knew there was a bone in there somewhere. Lazy Brought to you bone, by bone a child's
0: that. five-year-old, five-year-old uh, joke book somewhere in the world, I'm sure. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Hilarious. Podcast Pedestal. So, Fabulous. Podcast Peddy. Podcast Pedestal. Um, what are you going to go for?
1: Oh, it's me, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what? I'm so tempted to go by the young girl called Crystal. I like that. I quite like it because I think to call your daughter Crystal after the palace, it says a lot, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I'm tempted by that. Actually, do you know what? I'm going to go for that. Yeah? Yeah. All right. I'm going to go for that. Is that a really
0: silly choice? No, I like it. I like it.
1: Yeah? I I mean, it's not very cruxy. Although it is because, you know, she was the first Crystal saw Crystal Palace
0: die oh oh (laughs) drama drama oh my goodness um i think i'm gonna go and it's a bit it's a little bit pedestrian maybe but i'm gonna go for the newspapers who coined the phrase the palace of crystal i like that oh the punch magazine yeah punch magazine that was it yeah punch magazine calling it the, the palace palace of crystal because you can imagine them sort of And you talked about the twinkling of The jewels and all that kind of thing, and I like the idea of somebody kind of rounding the corner and just seeing this amazing thing in front and just going, "Oh, it twinkles! It's like crystal." Mm. I quite like that. I think it's very, yeah. And obviously, that's where it gets its name from as well. So, yeah, yeah. The palace. And if you go to the
1: V&A, you can see. Well, you can actually try and rebuild it yourself. They have these little kind of pieces of uh, it looks like frosted glass, and um, you can pretend to try and kind of put it together oh really yeah and they've also got an image of what it was going to look like when they redesigned it and put it in sydenham so they were going to um it was going to look a little a little bit like the empire state building oh wow it was going to be this huge vertical thing but obviously they threw that out the window and thought no let's just keep to the original
0: yeah i quite like that sort of the low the slightly lower rise uh, version yeah yeah that's uh, so those are your choices this week gang It is either the Palace of Crystal, coined by Punch magazine, or it is Crystal herself, (laughs) named by the palace that she, we assume, was born alongside. Yeah. That's rather nice. Amazing. Great. Anything to tell the listeners before we uh, Um, carry on? Just out, I think I've got. Oh, would
1: you believe I've got one place left? I think. Oh no, two because I've had one little. I've had a dropout today as well. Actually, okay, so I've got oh. two places left on our biscuit. Um, oh yeah. Expedition going to the biscuit factory, and we've come up with a date, which yes. is the seventeenth, September seventeenth, at eleven o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I think there's uh yeah. There's about ten ten of us going, so it's um. Come a good little team. Biscuits. The maximum we can have is twelve. So biscuits all round. So if anybody else wants to come on that, then please just send us a little a little message on Instagram and Free I'll, I'll you for
0: everyone. Ooh, I can't I can't money. guarantee that. Don't don't I can't guarantee that. that. Maybe a wagon wheel or two. Maybe a wagon wheel. We'll see. Eee. Fab. The wheel of destiny. Right. Well, uh, time for the wheel of destiny. Yeah. Do you know where you want it, or I mean, obviously it's not rigged, so uh... not rigged at all. Um, so I, I think at one point we'll, we'll have to not spin it because I need to do Charlotte Hayes, who I didn't get around to last week. But um, I'm happy to let the chips fall where they may this week. Let's do. Let's just go for it. Oh, okay, risky business. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, it's obviously risky business every week. Right, off we go. <laughs>
0: Hello, King's Cross. Oh, King's Cross. Okay. Um... <laughs> oh. Ooh. I'm just going to bring up a map because I think better when I'm looking at maps. Now, let's see. Oh, te- now, this is kind of King's Cross. It's a little okay. bit further away from King's Cross, but it's sort of in between a couple of areas. And it could realistically be the edge of King's Cross. Can I go for the Foundling Museum And Oh, I love that
1: museum. Yes, yes, yes.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's such a sweet little story. Well, quite a big story, but yes, please. That'd be lovely. go for that? Yeah, it's sort of on the edge of it, so I'm going to count it. I'm going to count it as that. Um, and yeah. Oh, museum... we, we,
1: we, we've done that before, I'm
0: sure, where we've been just on the border, if not a few miles away. Much more, yeah much wider yeah, I'll allow it love and I did do the founding museum a while ago on Global Tea Break on Instagram but that was like about two yeah. years ago so I, I remember, meant to really do it I but I will warn everybody it's a bit of a tearjerker it's so a massive tearjerker bring your tissues Um. Yeah. but it's a great story and I think one that I'd yeah, like to tell so let's do that yeah. lovely I like a plan Great plan. Lovely. Great well, plan. Well, that's next week sorted. Lovely, lovely. That's it for this week. Ooh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Two very tired guides. You are getting through June. That's uh, yeah, getting that's through, through June. June. We'll have more energy for you all, I'm sure, when we, we will, reach the end. the as we, of we approach life. the uh, the hundredth episode, which is uh, not yes, which uh, Alex and I were going to have a good good talk about. So yeah. we're going to have a, yeah, a summit, a meeting and uh, see what we're going to do we a wonderful
1: okay well wonderful. thank you, you for week. joining us as ever see you next week we love you all take care yeah.
0: put your sun cream on yeah look after your skin moisturize, <laughs> moisturize. see you next week bye, bye.